Hello, Wall. Welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 373, and today we'll be talking about Hall of Moons from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So, has anyone nominated the Broommaker for, like, chillest dude in the universe or something? And, like, biggest, well, not even red herring, like a completely <laughs> needless, um... Description by Hedgehog, which, uh, you know, is completely fruitless. This guy has, there, there is no, you know, conflict in this episode other than, you know, Hedgehog's own sort of generational problem that she, you know, figures out. But man, the, the Brewmaker is, <laughs> they got an unbelievably calm voice actor who, uh, puts you at such great ease. I could have him narrating every episode. It would be wonderful. I, I think it's a little silly that they gave it to Susie to try to <laughs> hype it up as potentially a scary uh, thing. I mean, this is classic Susie. He's a very nice guy. You know how she feels about nice people. I think the broommaker hit the nail on the head. She does not like being around gentleness. It's it's just weird that they, you know, like the intent of putting it in the episode reinforces something about Susie. I, I guess they're, you know, do we need that reinforcement, though? It's pretty... And also, yes, she is an unpleasant person, but does she really hate unpleasantness this pleasantness this much? Is she such a person? Uh, I don't know. Did she? She was in a mood this episode, like the whole "I know you're just being you, Susie," but I want you to know I'm really glad we know each other. And Susie starts this "ew, go." Yeah, she doesn't even crack any kind of smile. She has no reaction other than rejection. Summer Camp Island isn't the type of show to do this, but I feel like I want to know. That something else is going on with Susie right now, other than what's always going on with Susie. Uh, I mean, we'll see the next episode, the last episode of the season. Um, there's a lot going on with that episode, and I'm not sure I understand any of it, but we're here for Hall of Mooms today. <laughs> we'll let two weeks from now, GC, try to figure that one out. There's a bit going on here, too. So, first of all, we sort of uh, learn a little bit about which ritual, which is getting a broom, and this is something that Susie's been preparing for for a long time because she's been keeping the order form in her fridge, uh, which is cute. <laughs> With some other interesting objects, did you notice the skull fly out of there? Seems like <laughs> it's something Susie would be hanging on to. Who knows? Maybe it's just chilled skull. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I just. I saw the skull, and it looked very familiar. It's a skull with gems for eyes and a gem in its forehead. Mm. Very different overall look from the electric skull from the Steven Universe pilot. But, you know, it has the same, you know, it has gems in the eyes and forehead, just like the electric skull. So I'm left to wonder if that's a reference. And, like, maybe. But also skulls with gems in their eyes is pretty common so uh, you know i don't know just let me have this one david right i mean bring steven universe and as always you know please do please try i mean I, I know all i know not all shows can be craig of the creek so right they can't all. you know what with their cookie cats and the little butlers well, you know what but here's what they get in common uh generational trauma <laughs> they can share that <laughs> oh yes now all we're needing is Dr. Mahesh Warren to go over the x-rays with Hedgehog. Yeah, no kidding. Man, and also, I, I was thinking of Mahesh Warren from her more, like, less positive introduction, where she seemed a little bit more 
helicopter mom or just mean mom. Um, but oh, she turned out to be such a better character than what Hedgehog's mom continues to be reinforced to be, which is oh God, yeah. a complete nightmare. Tiger mom. She's a hedgehog, not a tiger. <laughs> Duh. Somehow. Uh, God, I mean, she is so annoying and awful, and um, it's really sad to see her reaction, but it is wonderful that Hedgehog finally gets to meet some much better, you know, female family members. I assume that the way that this Hall of Mooms works is that none of them are real per se because living people show up um as represented by her mom and yeah. then her at least grandma and great grandma who i'm guessing are still around because they take their older forms versus everyone else in the past seems to take their younger or prime forms yeah that would make sense but oscar did introduce hedgehog to the great grandmother so i'm not 100 percent on that well, yeah, I mean, he could be wrong about which level of great, if that's what you're suggesting. Hmm. I just love that. Which traits of Hedgehog do you think you have? <laughs> yeah, I love that Oscar's focusing on, oh, look, she has your ears. <laughs> I mean, are you just are are you just not getting flashbacks to the Sandwich Monastery episode, or Sasquatch Monastery, I should say, episode with Oscar's voice? You know, I like Hedgehog. <laughs> just... What the what the voice chooses to blurt out. They really drove home the point that Oscar is helplessly more immature than Hedgehog in this one. Evidenced by the fact that while she's growing up and getting her broom, he's shoved off in the, you know, helper's nursery <laughs> that is conveniently located. The nursery waiting room, yes. Yeah, man, and, uh, you know... Not only do we have to bash the poor kid for being a, a little naive and silly, but we also have to bash his intelligence and push him away from the crossword puzzles and into the, you know, find the difference puzzles, which, uh, you know, granted did have some relevance. But the poor kid, you know, if we just have him sleeping on the broom maker by the end, I don't know why we do this to this character, because it, it, it definitely helps support Hedgehog, though. Like, I feel like Hedgehog's this you know, growing, like, blooming, intelligent adult person that we're seeing. And it's great, but I kind of, I, I guess they just refuse to give us Hedgehog's coming-of-age story. He he won't be coming of anything for a long time. You mean oh, well. Oscar's coming-of-age story? Yes, Oscar's. Nah. I mean, he is kind of joined at the hip. He really should, we really should have a Hedgehog 1 and Hedgehog 2 situation here. <sighs> yeah, poor kid. That just means you have a letter wrong somewhere else. I'm going to do the spot the difference. Oh, poor kid. <laughs> I love how... Poor, I, see, that's the relationship. Oscar. Hedgehog points out, oh yeah, I think you did the whole puzzle wrong. <laughs> it's just sad, but oh well. I mean, to be fair, it's probably a crossword puzzle about witchcraft, so he has no reason to know any of this stuff. That's really kind of you to give him the benefit of the doubt, GC. It really is. And, you know, to be fair, that was what one word was. I, I just feel the need to look out for my fellow glowworms out there. <laughs> That's very sweet. I I really enjoyed the sort of fairy tale or uh, fable in the middle of the story that taught us about sort of... Well, it's interesting. The story is supposed to parallel and, and teach us about how behaviors or stories can be passed from generation to generation in a family and how it can be misunderstood over time. But it's kind of interesting because to me, that story was more about tradition, whereas yeah. 
Hedgehog's problem is less about tradition and more about a trauma or fear passed from one generation to the next. But uh, I'll take it. I'll take a two-for-one or at least a side-by-side lesson. I don't know, the the dialogue in the Hall of Mooms says to me that that was just a tradition, although at some point it became ancestral knowledge somehow, like even Hedgehog's mother, who never had a witchly education because even her own mother never received an education as a witch. And even she thought it felt safer to hold the broom like that. So there's something that tradition got made innate somehow. It It reminds me, or it makes me believe that uh, the thing that inspired this episode was sort of recent psychology genetic study that says that certain trauma can be passed at <laughs> a seemingly a genetic or some sort of hereditary level, such that, you know, the reason that they are involuntarily shaking and holding the broom is that it is somehow passed along in a way that is not even directly learned. So I thought it was interesting, assuming that that's the background for what inspired this it's a pretty cool thing to try to fit into a kid's tv show and explain hey there might be behavior that you didn't even directly learn from your parents but there might be fears or anxieties or certain tics that you have that are actually (laughs) just unluckily for you inheritable and uh, i think that's a pretty big thing to show but the important thing about it is how Hedgehog uh, sees it is when she learns that the fear that her, you know, great, 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 great grandmother had is not her fear, then she's able to move past it and fly. Of course, not everyone's going to have the opportunity to talk to their ancestors, in yeah. which case, you know, find an alternative route to recognize that their pain is not yours. Perhaps just watch this 11 minute episode of Kid Show and uh, it, everything could be great. Now, while I'm not sure how much the Summer Camp Island crew is reading up on the genetics uh, scholarly literature, I will say I was very interested. Uh, Do you buy the argument, oh, I have to, you know, bend over, otherwise witch hunters will see my red hair? Uh, It's a little silly. (laughs) Flying way over everyone's head to begin with. Yeah, I'm not sure how bending over helps, but I, I enjoy the... I think it's supposed to be simple and a bit silly like to point out that the behavior maybe it makes her feel safer right like there's a justification for it but it didn't even necessarily make sense at the time either now i do think that um the lore implications are interesting (laughs) forgetting the actual emotional storytelling or analyzing the behavior whoa there were witch hunters in this world we knew that the uh, world became less welcoming to magic over time but apparently it became violently against magic at one time which uh, aligns again this funny cute little animal world closer to our own strangely enough well she's from hedgehog's moom and apparently she is the first in hedgehog's maternal line to ever be a witch which would mean either she was from when witches first started to appear, and therefore they would have been new and scary. And, you know, notice how most people have the I look like a witch outfit, which Mm -hmm. I guess technically would just be ordinary uh, outfits for them. But I don't know. There's, There's a period where they have all different outfits, and then there's a whole bunch of them that all look the same. And that says to me that there are a whole bunch of people who are like, I look like a witch because I am. 
Right. I mean, up until Susie's day, which is when, you know, the magic died, it seemed as though witchcraft was generally accepted. So it's it's funny that at least in this timeline, it looks to be that witches were not accepted and then later accepted and existed for a long time. It wasn't the end of witches <laughs> to to have a group of hunters. And then the thing that happened is, well, we still don't really understand why magic disappeared from the world, I guess. The general introduction of technology caused it to not slowly but suddenly recede. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much further they'll dig into it, but it is interesting that they uh, included it. Also, even though they have included dates before, it is helpful to understand that Hedgehog's last witchy uh, relative was her great-grandmother, which was not too long ago. Yeah, that would be after the exodus to Summer Camp Island, so... I don't know what's going on with that. That's confusing. Well, she might not remember it living. She might only remember it in the Hall of Moons. Yeah, but like, she would have been a witch outside of Summer Camp Island. Oh, you think even from her birth? Yeah, I don't know. I guess she'd have to be pretty old. (laughs) But she did look pretty old. She looked a lot like, uh, well, both of her great-grandmas looked, uh, great and great-greats looked Hmm. like that large old lady from the Miyazaki film that I can't think of. That actually would make sense, because immortality is pretty easy for a witch to achieve. So if she was immortal, and then forgot she was a witch, and then, you know, married and had children, she could be from Susie's generation, but then got de-witchified with the loss of magic. Well, the immortality would make sense, too, given that it's surprising (laughs) that her very old relatives are still around, given my presumed rules of Hall of Moons which is that dead people are young again. Presumably. Presumably. What did you think about the shadowy figure, um, no, not that one, darting around the Hall of Moons? I mean, I actually didn't notice. Is that bad? So there was a shadowy figure running around, and I totally skipped over it, despite having now watched this episode three times. Hedgehog has a moom who has a mask up like she's a ninja and she was just slinking around in the background of a few shots. I mean, that's cool and intriguing. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what the, I don't know what the implications of that would be other than like, I don't even know what the right time to explore a backstory on any of these characters would be. Okay. So hear me out. Ninjas versus pirates is played out, right? We need a new opponent for the ninjas. Ninjas versus witches. I mean, normally I would never even think of such that cross, such a crossover, and except that OKKO OK already did it so well with Enid. So, you know. Well, I mean, she's a winja, so. Yeah, it's so cool when they're together. I guess we could see a competition. Although, in this case, I guess she would be a witch ninja as well. So, it's a pretty cool combo. She doesn't have to be a a witch. Remember, Hedgehog's mother is there, and she's not a witch. She's just a maternal ancestor. Now, what do you think that's all about? Uh, Do you think that she's not a witch because she didn't learn to be a witch? Or is it because magic receded? I guess what I'm thinking is, why did Hedgehog have magic coming back in her compared to her mom and grandma? Well, maybe her mother and grandmother had that potential, but they weren't brought to Summer Camp Island early enough to bring that out. Yeah, like, I, I guess... Is being a witch like Harry Potter rules where you're a wizard inside no matter what? (laughs) Or is it 
just whether you get the formal training or not. I feel it's more like that in this world. Clearly, there's a level of genetics. I don't think just anyone can decide to become a witch. But, right, fair enough. You know, like, like Harry Potter, you have to be trained to be a wizard, even if you have the genetic potential to be one. Right. But is it like Harry's world where you're going to inevitably experience some magic anyway when you're getting mad at your, you know, uh, aunt and uncle? Or, you know, maybe maybe her mom never experienced anything like that? I don't think Hedgehog's mother has to worry much about that, uh, even if there is innate magic, because there's no magic around her. But in the case of Summer Camp Island, um, it looks like you have to consciously do the spells? I don't. I don't think I've seen a witch accidentally do something unless she was ill, right? And even that was a magical illness. Yeah, yeah, it has to be a magical illness as well. Yes, but I guess the other potential is that that person slinking around, Hedgehog might have a witch hunter ancestor. Now that is a lot more interesting. I don't know what I would do with that. But she's dressed up like a witch, which would. That would ruin my theory of witches. Well, I guess there could have been still witch hunters even after witches became, you know, accepted. That wouldn't stop there being witch hunters. That would just force the witch hunters underground. I'll say this. It seems like it would be cool for them to have bothered to bring up witch hunters in order to actually expand on it more later. I don't really know how it would fit in with the overall lore. It would be deeply surprising if they said that there was still a group that existed today, which was, you know, a risk for trying to expand magic back off the island again. But, uh... Yeah, that would be... (laughs) I don't know if that's a Summer Camp Island story development, to be honest. That sounds like a different TV show. But, you know, and, and maybe it really is just a small detail only for the purposes of demonstrating generational trauma. I've, you know, just as much belief that that could be the case. But yeah, I don't know why they bothered introducing a shadowy figure. That's a uh, classic. I mean, given that this show takes so much adventure time inspiration, you know, every background character could very well have a purpose, right? And if this show believes it can have two more seasons after this, then it'd be fine waiting for season six for that to mean anything. So I, I was just thinking, how could Summer Camp Island do witch hunters? And my idea, these witch hunters don't hunt the witches themselves anymore. They're scavenger hunters who collect witch paraphernalia. (laughs) They just become a fan club. Maybe you have some of them who even gasp, steal witch paraphernalia. Ooh, very bad. Very naughty. That could be interesting. Anything in which characters outside the island actually know about magic would be pretty interesting just because of the relationship that the world currently has in the show. Like, it's ultimately a deeply silly <laughs> thing, so for them to know it, like... You know that somewhere in Delmarva, Ronaldo has his blog, and he's talking about all this uh, witchcraft lore he's dug up on the internet. Right, and maybe, I mean, it, it at least seemed in Steven Universe that no one ever believed Ronaldo, but maybe, <laughs> maybe there's always at least one other person out there, too. Ah, but is he a snurson in disguise? I'm still waiting for that payoff. Maybe this nurses finally arrive as the uh, original witch hunters. You never know. <laughs> anyway, guys, that's been us on Hall of Mooms. Join us next week. We'll be finishing off Glitch Techs. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody.
Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.